Hey, Teresa, do you want to talk about baseball etiquette? I think that would be a home run. It's Schmanners. I am your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Teresa, take me out to the ball game. <laughs> take me out oh. to the crowd. Is that yeah, right? That's that's the that's right. Will you buy me some peanuts and or cracker jack? <laughs> uh yes. And in case you're wondering, my opinion on coming back, I have done. I don't care if it happens, but it would probably be great to get home. I have certain responsibilities uh, that I have to take care of. This week, we're talking about baseball etiquette. Um, because a lot of uh, teams are opening their seasons this month. Yeah, we just we just started baseball season. Um, I want to get right out of the way, right at the beginning. The biggest etiquette thing, before we talk about the history, before we talk about any of that... And I say this, and I use this word with love because I am one. Hey, nerds. It's okay to not like sports. It's very okay to not like sports. It is not okay to make fun of people who like sports. And I know what you're thinking, but they made fun of me when I was growing up. Yes, yes, yes. I love baseball. I think baseball is great. But I acknowledge that it's not for everybody. You know what I mean? I think that's a very kind outlook, Travis. Hey, thank you. I try. Every so often. I'm I'm a good person. <laughs> so let's let's talk a little bit about baseball. Now, Teresa, are you a baseball fan? Do you like the baseball? I don't not like baseball. I see. Um, we did live in Cincinnati for a long time, which is a real big baseball town. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds, uh, love love them or leave them. Basically, when you live in Cincinnati, um, so I have gone to several baseball games. Do you want to know a fun fact about the Cincinnati Red Stockings? Hit me. They were the first all-professional baseball team. The Cincinnati Red Stockings played their first game May 4th, 1869. They won out over the Great Westerns of Cincinnati, which was another Cincinnati team at the time, 45-9, to which is a pretty ridiculous baseball score. And that season, uh, in 1869, the Red Stockings posted a perfect 65-0 record the only perfect season in professional baseball history. Wow. Yes. Well, did you know that before professional baseball, there were lots of iterations of, quote, baseball mm-hmm. in the United States and really, like, in Europe is where it originated. Uh, from what I understand, one of those is, like, cricket. Cricket and baseball kind of sprang from the same origins-ish. Right. You know, well, like there the were a beginning. ton of those little games. Every kind of little village had their own iteration of some sort of ball game. I actually I found references to, you know, throw a thing, hit a thing, run around some things. Mm-hmm. Games referenced as early as the 1300s. That's amazing. So, so it's been going a long time. There was actually a version of baseball. If you know anything about baseball now, there was a version of baseball in which the teams pitched to themselves rather than the other teams pitching. 
And the only way to get people out was to peg them with the ball, to hit them with the ball. So kind of like baseball meets dodgeball. Yeah, a little bit, (laughs) a lot more dangerous, I would imagine. Well, so I'd like to go over this uh, vintage baseball resurgence that is happening in uh, the United States, especially. Um, It harkens back to the days before professional teams in the mid 1800s. Um, and a lot of these ball games were pitched, first of all, underhand, mm-hmm. um, and they were done in, you know, sort of municipal fields. So it wasn't so much like a backyard game. They were sanctioned, but there weren't really stadiums. So if you wanted to watch a vintage baseball game back then called baseball, <laughs> Uh, if you wanted to watch one, it was kind of like a picnic atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and because it was underhand, the pitcher's block, pitcher's mound, was 45 feet away. Um, and in general, it was just much smaller. Mm-hmm. Smaller scale there. And there weren't any kind of like um, fencing or gating or anything like that. You had the one ball. And hitting the ball out of bounds was always a foul. So there wasn't like that home run deal because you only had one. Yeah. You only had the one ball. <laughs> only had the one ball. Uh, so that that's one of the things that was different. And the game itself was a little different because there were no gloves. You caught barehanded. Caught barehanded, usually two-handed. You would catch it because, you know, it was coming pretty fast and you didn't want to jam your fingers up and all that kind of stuff. So you would catch the ball two-handed and it was permissible to catch it on a bounce. So it could bounce one time onto the ground before you caught it. I think that that was probably to help save your hands again because mm-hmm. then the the ground took a lot of the force instead of your, your hands. Um and there was only one official, like, and he wasn't really an umpire type deal. He was just kind of a, he would help. He was a make, bouncer. He was <laughs> not really a bouncer, but he was, he was kind of like the voice of reason in the game. And he would often defer to the audience to, because he couldn't be everywhere at once. If a, if a person said, well, I didn't get hit out. And another person said, but I definitely hit him out. And there was someone picnicking next to wherever they were. The official would go and talk to them and be like, what did you see? It's kind of like an arbitrator. Yeah. No. Arbiter? No. Yeah. yeah, Whatever. Yeah. Yeah, Sure. Right. Yeah. The intention is clear. What you meant was clear. (laughs) Um, So this was really kind of like the neighborhood municipal game. Yeah. It wasn't like the professional athletes that we think of today of people that like play and that's all they do for a job. This was like people getting together and they also were the, you know, the newspaper man and the the milkman and stuff. Yeah. So their uniforms were, uniforms were a lot different. They were often dressed in workman's uniforms. There was no sliding into bases. You get hurt. There was no bunting the ball. Um, there was no swearing and there was no alcohol. Well, maybe that would be better. We'll talk about that later. Uh, there was no yelling at the umpire. None of that. It was it was considered um, a, a gentlemanly game and as it, well it should be. I mean, if, if and we'll talk more about like the actual rules and 
why I think baseball is great in a moment, but I, I think that it is a very gentlemanly game, or should be. Well, it was even more so then. You weren't allowed to spit or swear, and you could be fined as a player for doing any of those things. Um, one of the big turnarounds in baseball is when it went from being a pitcher's game to being a hitter's game. And, and my friend Justin, who was kind of a lot of my baseball fandom um, inspiration, explained it to me that for a long, long time, you could scuff up and tear up and dirty up the ball as much as you wanted. And this was also before there were, like, well-lit night games. In fact, the first lit night game was also played in Cincinnati. Um, but... So they would, like, dirty up these balls, scuff up these balls, and they were so hard to see for batters that batters almost – it was almost impossible to hit anything faster than, like, a curveball, you know, any kind of fastball. And then it got to a point where they were so hard to see that batters were getting hit by them pretty consistently. And after, like, several concussions – and I want to say – don't correct me on this because I don't have the exact data – but that there was, like, an injury, a serious like, concussion injury – and the rules changed that you couldn't do that to the ball anymore. You couldn't dirty it up. You couldn't. So it stayed a white, very visible ball. And suddenly it became much more of a hitter's game, much more of a slugger's game. And that's where we started seeing a lot more home runs. And especially if you think about the babe, Babe Ruth, mm-hmm. like all of these rules changed like right before he came up. So suddenly you had this guy who was super good at hitting in a game where hitting had never really been the focus before. And this was this was when it changed to overhand, right? In the, the late 1800s, like 1890s. Yeah, and so all of this led up to this idea of like sluggers and home runs being the goal. It used to be very, very rare to get a home run in baseball. And then pretty soon it became the norm to the point where people were like kind of, you know, judged by whether or not they could hit home runs. Mm-hmm. It used to be a lot more of scrambling of like you were just trying to get on base and then you were just trying to advance one base at a time. And then pretty soon it became a lot more of like, no, you're trying to hit it out every time. So here's a, a quick fact check on like the updating of pitching. So in 1883, they uh, removed the band on overhand pitching. Oh, okay. So 1883, yeah. not the 1890s. Yeah. In 1887, the game moved even further towards the modern rule set at the time with five balls becoming a requirement for a walk. Um, and if you hit the batsman, they were awarded uh, a base. Um, and then in 1889, the current ball and strike rules uh, were first established, which is four balls to a walk, three strikes for an out. Um, and in 1893, the distance for pitching was changed from 50 feet um, to the modern um, distance of 60 foot and six inch. And the pitching rubber was introduced and the pitcher be, uh, being required to have his rear foot against the rubber slab until he released the ball. Um, so you, as, as long as we're moving towards the modern, let's talk about the modern rules of baseball. Okay. Um, and there's lots of ins and outs. There's lots of like infield fly and like, you know, ground rule double and lots. Of, but I'll just go through the basics. So basically what you're looking at is you have either the team who's on the field, or the team who's at bat. Okay. Um, And on the field, you have nine players. You have your catcher, your pitcher, first base, second base, shortstop, third base, and then you have left field, center field, and right field. And the reason for the shortstop is, with most right-handed batters, it's going to pull to between um, second and third. Well, that makes sense. Right. And there's just a lot more plays happening over in that area. So you have a a shortstop to kind of help make the connection between the outfield and second and third. You can run through first 
right? So that way you don't have to like slide for first or anything like that. So you can overrun the base. You can overrun the base, but you can't turn. So if you get to first base and you turn to go towards second, you can be thrown out at first. Okay. So if you get on base, first, second, or third, you have to be touching the base to be safe. Otherwise, they can throw you out if you're off base and you get tagged before you go on base. And unlike before where you had to throw to hit the player, you can just throw to the base that they're going to. Okay, so those are the positions. And then what happens is your batter gets up, pitcher throws to the catcher. The batter is trying to make contact with the ball. Um, You can either get on first base by being walked, which means they throw four balls, which means it's outside of the strike zone. Strike zone is typically about like chest to knees, somewhere in there, and then about the width of, of the home plate. A little bit wider. But anyways, you're trying to throw in there. If they swing at it and miss, it's a strike. If they throw in the strike zone and don't swing, it's a strike. If they throw outside of the strike zone and don't swing, it's a ball. So if you get on first base, you're done. Or you can get a hit, get on first base, get to home. Now they're trying to get the player out by either striking them out by throwing three strikes, by throwing them out or tagging them out, or catching a hit ball before it touches the ground. And then once you get three outs, you move to the next half of an inning. You play nine innings, so that's 18 halves. So each each team gets nine at-bats. So the thing about baseball is... There's no set time limit, which was one of the main differences between other sports like hockey and soccer and football and that kind of thing. Because baseball could hypothetically go on for way too long. (laughs) Um, I was at a Cincinnati Reds game once where they were tied. And as long as they're tied, you keep playing until an inning ends with someone winning. Wow. So they've gone as long as, like, I want to say 17 innings. Instead of the traditional nine. They've gone on for like eight or nine hours. So games can get a little bit grueling. But the thing about it is, is that also means that unlike football, where, you know, so say in football, a team's up, you know, by by seven touchdowns to nothing, Mm -hmm. right? And it's 49 to nothing. And there's two minutes left in the game. That game is done. Right. But in baseball, you could be down seven runs to nothing. And in one inning, get nine runs, and you're winning. That's right. So that's why, for me, I like the tension of baseball, and I like that it takes so long to play, because it could change in an inning. And instead of just like, well, clearly the Broncos are going to win, they've thrown so many touchdowns, like it could still change in the ninth inning. And there have been lots of games that have been decided that way. Um, But I also recognize that for many people, that would be tedious and not fun. (laughs) But the other thing about baseball, and the reason baseball is my favorite sport to see live, is that, yes, it's about the sport, but it's also about, like, the crowd environment. That you're there, that you're all having the shared experience, that there's hot dog vendors, and there's, like, music playing, and, like, there's videos playing, and the national anthem, and it's all this, like, shared communal experience right. that even friends of mine who don't care about sports have gone to baseball and have had a good time because we're all just hanging out together. Right. I mean, it's it's similar in the way of, I mean, even if you don't know and enjoy baseball, you can kind of feel the atmosphere of all the people who do enjoy yep. it. And it's totally different from going to a sports bar. Exactly. Um, one last thing, because I forgot to mention it when we were talking about history. If you're ever talking to someone about the history of baseball and they say, oh, yeah, Abner Doubleday, he invented <laughs> baseball. Oh, yes. You're you're 
you're um it's not true <sighs> it's like that's a myth um abner double never claimed to have invented baseball there's like no corroboration there's no proof that he did um and it was like a weird study done where they were like we found that abner double day invented baseball and it's like okay, nobody believes that but everybody is told that that is the case but in fact like baseball there are so many different origins and it, i don't think it was like one thing mm-hmm. where somebody was like oh, a bat a ball a glove i've got it it was like <laughs> it all evolved from all these other like that we talked about all these other games does apner doubleday have any other claim to fame i mean i think that he was like a sports kind of person but he just didn't invent baseball <laughs> wow yeah this random guy didn't do this he didn't do that thing but like <laughs> I, I don't know why everybody wants to... Bl- I guess because everybody wants to know the history and wants to think that there was a guy who did it. But, like, hmm. there were also, for a while, like, many different concurrent sets of rules. The one that's kind of evolved into the one we know now is, like, the Knickerbocker rule set. But right. there, there was a whole bunch of rule sets being all played at the same time because there was no governing body. And there was the American League and the National League, which is now governed by the Major League Baseball, you know, MLB, but at the time, like, the American League and the National League had different rule sets. And if you played in Ohio, you had a different rule set than people who played in California mm-hmm. and people who played in Texas and people who played everywhere else. So, like, the Major League Baseball came down and like, okay, great, we're going to, like, universalize the rules so that everybody can play against each other. Right. And that was, like, a brand new evolution of the thing. Well, okay. So now that we've gone over some of the history and the rules, I'd like to talk a little bit about attending a baseball game. Okay, we should do that. But first, here's a word from another Max Fun Show. You guys, I'm so excited to introduce to you my new baby, Getting Curious with Jonathan Van Ness. This is going to be a really fun look at things that I find curious, whether it's a menstrual cup, it might be the Romanoff family, it might be fracking, it could be Carly Fiorina. I don't even know. Who knows? It's going to be whatever I think is interesting. I can't wait to bring it to you guys. We're going to be bringing in content experts. I'm going to be learning the things. It's only going to take about 30 minutes for you to expand your baby brains with me and have a super fun time. So I can't wait to see you on our first episode of Getting Curious. Okay, we're back. So let's talk about actually like being a fan, the thing that most of us are going to do. Unless you are a professional baseball man, which first of all, flattered, thank you for listening. But <laughs> then you probably are not worried about most of this stuff because you probably know how to be a good baseball attendee. But what are some what are some basics, Teresa? Well, some basics are it it Sitting in a baseball stadium, no one expects anyone to sit the whole time. Mm -hmm. It is a long game. You know, they have places for you to go eat and shop and do whatever you need to do, uh, like go to the restroom in, in the stadium. But it is generally accepted that you should get up during a changeover. That's the nice thing about baseball and the way it's structured is because you have the innings and because so both between innings... And between halves of innings, when you go from the top of, you know, the top of the fourth to the bottom of the fourth, then you have breaks kind of built in. Right, because the teams are changing positions. So they're switching from batting to going to the outfield. You don't want to do it during someone's at-bat. That's generally frowned upon. Right. Well, because in the same way of my... uh, Grandpa used to always say, you make a better door than a window. People can't see through you. Yes. 
So they want to be able to see the person. And I know that there are big like jumbotron screens and stuff like that, but it really is encroaching on the other player, the other um, spectator's experience if you get up during that time. So wait for the changeover unless it's an emergency. And the thing is, is like just kind of a point that I'm sure I will reiterate multiple times throughout this episode it's okay to go to baseball games if you don't love baseball. Right. Like I said, it's an experience, and it's fun just to go, and I highly recommend it. It's a much different experience in person than watching it on TV. But keep in mind that probably the majority of people there are there to watch baseball. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they paid a whole lot of money for it. Maybe they drove four hours to see their favorite team play. And just because you're there, like, casually, just kind of keep in mind that there may be people there that, for them, this is, like, the highlight of, like, four or five months for them. Okay, so um, some more general etiquette rules for spectators. Um, The wave isn't really something that people uh, do very much in in baseball. But if you want to do it, there are certain stadiums and teams that are more kind of wave friendly than others. Don't start it ironically, though. Like, I've seen people do that. I was like, you know, it'd be fun if we did the wave. And it's like, uh, especially, especially if it's a tense game. If they're tied or if it's like, you know, three and two and like, you know, it's the ninth inning. Like, no. Now if it's a blowout and it's like 12 to nothing and it's like the sixth inning, fine, whatever. But well, like, and you really shouldn't do it while uh, you're while the team that you are rooting for is at is at bat. The home team. The home team. Don't do it while the home team is at bat yeah. because that's kind of like the tense situation part. Yeah. You should do it while they're in the outfield. If if all else fails, look to the mascot. There will be oh, a mascot a, on the field. That's a great idea. And sometimes you'll see the mascot like jumping down the sidelines, like waving at people to like do the wave. But like if there's no if they're not playing music to pump up the crowd and the Jumbotron doesn't say like make some noise or there's not a mascot doing stuff, it's probably a moment where everyone's supposed to be focused on what's going on. Right. And this is kind of a a callback to the vintage games. Um, in general, a vintage game, you would clap more than you would cheer because yeah. it's kind of like a almost like a golf atmosphere where everyone's very quiet while things are happening and then if something good happens, then you kind of clap and maybe you would say woot or yay. Um, but it's not a very like loud, boisterous kind of atmosphere. As awesome. opposed to... Now games, they do, like, they play music and they give you you prompts of make some noise or... Stomp your feet, clap your hands. Stuff like that. But I I would also say, think of it like a concert, too. Um, Because, for example, if you went to a concert and everybody stood the whole time, you would get upset because you Mm -hmm. paid for a seat. Right. And if you went to a concert and everybody sat down during very exciting, like, this is the big number, you'd be like, why isn't everybody dancing? This is great. It's the same in baseball. Most of the time, you're going to remain seated. But like I said, if it's that tense, like, you know, there's two outs, bases loaded, they're down by two, like, and everybody stands, mm-hmm. that's a good time to stand. Like, first inning, second at bat, stay seated. Right. So then um, bringing a glove, you should, if you're going to bring a glove, you really need to be a kid. Yeah. <laughs> you need to be it's under, you know, under 13, I think. Um, because other than that, it makes you kind of, I don't, I don't want to say 
No, they're not going to rookie of the year you into the game, and that's kind of what it looks like. Right. That that's what it is. It's a little presumptuous of you to bring a to bring a glove unless you're a child. And if you've never been to a game before, most modern stadiums have nets up and like barriers so that if you were close enough to get pegged by a ball, you're probably not going to. But even if you do, the chances of getting hit are very slight, and it's just like you can probably barehand it. Most of them are going to be pop pop flies to you you can barehanded catch them or let them hit and if that happens hand it to a kid always hand it to a kid it's it's not a good look to hold on to the ball no matter how bad you want it i get it we all want to keep that souvenir now i would take okay with one exception if it's like the winning home run from like a playoff game or like the World Series, then it's like this is a piece of memory. You keep it. If it's like a foul ball from like the third game of the season from the other team, give it to a kid. It's probably always safer to give it to a nearby child. Yes, especially if that child was trying to get it. Because yeah. you don't want to show up on ESPN as being the dude that snaked you know, a ball from a kid who was trying to catch it. Mm-hmm. So go- moving on, um, dressing for a game. Uh, in the days, in these days of athleta leisure wear. Ooh. Yeah, right? I like that word. Um, all of that is perfectly acceptable to wear to a baseball game. It's not really a thing people get dressed up for anymore, unless it's like an opening day and you want to wear uh, something a little fancier or but maybe you don't a, have to. Maybe a playoff game, something yeah. really fancy. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say really or if fancy. It's opera night. <laughs> but for for ladies, a sundress would work just fine. Anything I think you'd wear to a, a regular park is okay. Um, I would always discourage heels. Yeah, and I would encourage baseball caps. Yeah, keep in mind that especially if it's a day game. Um, a lot of the stadiums get a lot of direct sunlight and you, you will burn, you know what I mean? Or, and you also get very warm. So like sunscreen, um, and like light colors. Mm -hmm. Uh, this question came from Alan on Twitter. Should I wear my favorite team's hat slash apparel, even if that team is not one of the two playing in the game? No. It is generally frowned upon that you do that. And when you when that happens, you kind of open yourself up to ridicule from those those teams uh, fans. At the very least, some nasty glares and like, right, you're not making any friends. You know what I mean? And and here's the thing. I've also heard people express that we went to uh, an L.A. Dodgers game last year. Um, with our friends who were big Kansas City Royals fans. They were playing the Royals. Yeah, and so they were in Royals. And, of course, there were people, like, giving them, you know, side glances and everything. And that's, that's part of the game. You know, you get rivalries, you root for the team you want to root for, you do that. But also, be cool at the end of the day. Rivalry is one thing. And a little bit of, like, ooh, we're going to get you is one thing. Getting in fights over it and, like, right. throwing drinks on people is never a good look. No team would want you to do that. Nobody appreciates that. Don't do it. Um, so if you're going to wear a logo at all, you should wear one of the teams playing or wear one of the colors of the team that you support the most or don't wear anything divisive at all let me ask you this this is from bogey on on twitter would i look like um well this is a word i don't want to say would i look like a real dumbo if i got a jersey customized with my own name i i i will say i will say don't do that well because it 
it'll probably confuse people more than they'll equate it with your own name. They'll they'll read the name and be like, "I who is that player? What is that?" Well, not and only they that, just but it's very like, "Look at me!" Like if you're going to support the team, support one like the players, yeah, <laughs> as opposed to being like, "I support the team," but really, I just want to make this about me. Yeah, I think at that point, you're it's not. No one's going to get that joke like you will. Um, so when you go to a baseball game, an ever-present, especially if it's, well, I guess only if it's like there's no roof, if it's an open-air stadium, rain is always a concern. Oh, that's a great, yeah. Um, so keep that in mind. Pay attention to the thing. If you're concerned about rain, poncho, not umbrella. Right, so you don't get um, in anybody else's way. Exactly. Umbrella bro- blocks the people behind you. Poncho keeps you dry without blocking anybody's vision. That's a great idea. Yep. Um, so let's move on to cheering. Any questions about cheering or jeering? Yes. Um, Tyler asked, what are the guidelines to things like yelling at and or jeering players? Um, in today's modern baseball stadiums, it's kind of encouraged that you might, uh, it, you know, different players have different things that you shout out to them. Like, isn't there one where people say boss or something? I don't know, but sure. No. Well, what's the one? Bruce. Bruce. Yes. Bruce. They say Bruce. Bruce. Um, that's what it is. I'm so good at baseball, you guys. Um, so it's it's kind of encouraged in the modern atmosphere. The thing is, you want to be topical in the way that you're yelling. Like you want to, if you are jeering at the person at bat, you want to do just that person, not like other people on the team. You also don't want it to be too personal, though. Like, exactly. There's one thing of there's a difference between booing and saying like I hate you, I want to kill your whole family. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and oh, and just side note, two things. We want a pitcher, not a Billy Itcher, and swing, bada, bada, bada. Neither of those are fresh or clever. <laughs> Don't do them. Oh, well. I'm just saying. Even ironically, Travis. No, Beckleroy. especially not ironically. <laughs> you know I don't I do endorse anything ironic. You want to come up with stuff, boo and cheer. Think of it this way. One of the questions we got, and I can't find it now, but somebody asked, like, is it okay to jeer the players because they can't hear me? And it's like, well, hold on. One, if you're close enough to the field, you don't know that. And two, I guess put it this way. If they could hear you, would you still say the thing you were going to say? I think that's a good point of view of like, it's one thing to boo. It's another to be mean. So let's keep it family friendly and all in good fun. Well, and that's another, that's an excellent point because baseball is a pretty family friendly sport. Mm -hmm. You see a lot of people with their kids there. And so you don't want to get too blue. You don't want to get too like gross, right? You know, you've got you've got kids there. Like there are kids at baseball games. It's a big part of baseball is that kids love it. Exactly. Um, I would go so far as to say you shouldn't boo or jeer at the other fans. Oh no, that's not, not what this is about. You or can get upset s- if they boo or jeer at your at your team because right. you don't know who they're rooting for. It should all of the cheering and jeering should be subjected at the team and at the game, not at the fans around you. It is never appropriate to um, go up to someone and berate them because they like the other team than you like. Well, let me ask you this. This is from Phil. What are the guidelines to correcting people you aren't with about rules and stats? Unless they ask you, you should ignore it. <laughs> I think that they're, well, 
Okay, I will say this. I can see a scenario, because it is a very communal, like, I've started conversations, and I don't like small talk. I've started conversations with people at baseball games because, like, you're so close to each other, and you're often sitting there for, like, three or four hours, that if you hear somebody go, what is, what's going, oh, we went to the bathroom, what's going on? I think it's okay to lean forward and say, like, oh, he got struck out. Right, but, like, it's, right. it's another thing to lean forward and lecture somebody on how their understanding of the way baseball played is wrong. Exactly. You know? I think that's a good distinction, is it's all right to answer, like, general questions if they're directed in your dir- direction. Yeah, if they're, like, talking out to the universe, like, what happened? Exactly. You say, like, oh, it was this. Or, I don't understand this rule, or something like that. But nobody wants to get, be given a lecture yeah. on, on how baseball is, should be played, or should be um, scored, or, or whatever it is that you you feel deep down so let me ask you this as long as we're talking about fans and we're talking about family friendly and all of that Catherine asked how drunk is too drunk for a ball game when you get drunk enough that you're too drunk that's yep, too that's drunk. A great answer um <laughs> you, you the way that i would say is you should know your limits and get no more drunk than you would in any other public place it's not an excuse to get um to go three sheets to the wind especially when beers are like ten dollars a beer come on um just because you're at a baseball game you should know your limits and and stay with well within those limits and in fact if you're going if you know you're the type of person or you're going with a group where the intention is to drink a bunch of a baseball game you can usually find like bleachers or a section that is more for that do a little bit of research because mostly in there are seats where it's like this is where all the families sit and then there's like an kind of unspoken drinking section (laughs) um or a lot of these places have bars in the stadium but if you pay for a baseball ticket and you're going to be paying ten dollars a drink just go to a sports bar If, if your intention is to just get drunk Right. Like, why pay money for a ticket and spend so much on beer? Just go to a bar. You'll spend way less, and you'll still get drunk and watch the baseball game. Yeah, everyone will have more fun if you have your drink, but not overdo it. Yes. Um, Christy asked, uh, etiquette on the national anthem? It is always appropriate to remove your headgear. Yes. You should stand and yes. remove your headgear. Um and stop wherever you are. And, yes. If you're still finding your seat, stop, stop. wherever you are. Uh, whether or not you put your hand over your heart is up to some debate. There are some people who say you should remove your headgear and put it over your heart. I say that if that's not something that you feel in the moment, you still need to be respectful and stop, remove your headgear, and just stand there quietly. Um. I think you can also sing quietly to yourself. I, yeah, I think you as long as you're not giving your uh, <laughs> giving the people around you a private concert. Exactly, uh, singing quietly to yourself, I think, is also acceptable. Um, Andrew asked, and I like this question: How do I politely state my desire to never ever be involved with the watching of this or any sport? Wow, um, I think that that is more in your behavior in the rest of your life than it is in this one singular moment. If you are known as a person who says what they mean and means what they say, if you say to a person who has invited you to a baseball game, I don't enjoy baseball. No, thank you very much. I will be happy to join you in the bar afterwards. 
I any would, of that kind of stuff, I think, is is more about your behavior outside of the invitation than it is within the invitation. I would also say, and you're entitled to feel however you want to feel. I would also say, if you've never been to a baseball game before, maybe try it once. Because, for two reasons. One, you might find that, like, while maybe you've never enjoyed it on TV or you think you wouldn't like the idea of it, you get there, you have a bratwurst, you, you know, everybody's there and cheering, and you're like, you know what, actually, I don't care about baseball, but this experience was kind of fun. Or, you also then, the next time that friend asks, you can say, well, I went that one time, I didn't enjoy it and I would rather not go again, that person's going to believe you and take you at your word way more than if you've never tried it before. Right. Um, but I also think it depends on what type of person you go. For example, Justin, who I mentioned earlier, is like hardcore loves baseball, right? So when we go to baseball games with Justin, we are there to watch baseball, especially if the Cardinals are playing. You don't <laughs> talk to Justin. He not while they're the at bat. You, he watches the game. But if you go to a baseball game with me, I'm there to like hang out with people, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So like, and then watch the game a little and bit. watch the game. I'm definitely there to watch the game, but I'm not there to like silently like shh. I have to pay attention, right? So like maybe your friend just wants to hang out, and you know you actually you get more face to face time than if you just went to a movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, but if you still have no desire to go, a good a good polite way to say is thank you for the invitation, but no thank you. And then don't turn around and tell them why they're stupid for wanting to go. That's never a good look. That's that's not very gracious of you. Have yeah, but for you being go invited. have fun and let's meet up afterwards, right? For dinner, you know, that always works great. So I want to touch on two things. Speaking mm-hmm. of like not liking it, arriving late and leaving early. It's it's kind of frowned upon. You you should really be in your seat for the first pitch, and you you should leave once. The whole game is done. Uh, it's just kind of a, a little more respectful to both teams. Um, there are always emergencies. The, uh, you know, your babysitter has to leave or... Um, or, you or the seven, game goes 17 innings. Right. Yes. If it's an exorbitantly long game, um, I would say that you're welcome to stay the nine innings, but yeah. extra innings are not necessary to stay for. Um, or, or if you become ill... You can certainly leave. But, you know, there are always those things about parking and uh, waiting for the rest of your group with tickets and things like that. But you should try and plan ahead enough to get there in time for the game. Um, and if you do need to get to your seat um, and people and and you're late, you know, just use your general common sense and say, excuse me, I'm sorry, yeah. and sit down as fast as you can. Um, and. This is clearly over is never a good reason to leave the game early. Because like I mentioned earlier, it can turn around at any point. A team can go on a 15-run streak. So to sit there and go, well, my team's losing 10 to nothing. It's over. I'm leaving. But it's not over. It's not over. And it makes you look like a real jerk. It you know? looks, makes you look like a fair weather fan is yeah. what it makes and you look like. And your team needs your support. It's the whole reason you're there. Right. You know? And plus, like I said, it's not about winning and losing. It's about, like, being there for the experience and watching the game and doing the thing. And, like, you got to stay for it. Now, I have left an early left a baseball game early because of several hours of rain delay. Oh, yes. That will happen. That's the other thing. Is So the way that if you're ever in a baseball game and it starts to rain, they will try to play through as long as they can. But then they will delay 
if there is a chance that they will be able to start playing again later. Mm -hmm. Because they play 162 games in a season. So anytime they have to reschedule a game, it becomes a huge imposition on both teams. And so a lot of the times they will just try to play it um, if they can. Otherwise, it's a huge imposition on everyone. Yeah. Um, I think it is okay if it, you know, it's huge black clouds in the distance and, like, it's pouring rain on the field. And, you know, you wait, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and it doesn't look like it's going to clear up anytime soon. I think in that case, it's acceptable to leave. Yeah. Um, but you may not, uh, d- you should look on your ticket stub carefully because you may not be able to get into a second game mm-hmm. uh, because of rain delay. Or um, if they do reschedule the game, you might have to do something particular with uh, with that stadium in order to get in to the reschedule. I'm trying to think if there's any other kind of like general rules. Let me look over my list of rules here. I so we talked about it earlier. The like it's okay not to like sports. Mm-hmm. It is not okay, and it's not funny to pretend ignorance to frustrate those around you by like calling the umpires referees or runs as points or like are they going to score a touchdown or because really you're whether you know it or not what you're really doing is you're making a joke at the expense of people around you that really care about the thing that they're watching. Mm -hmm. So that's not really funny. It's just mean. Well, I have done that on occasion to Justin. It's okay if it's Justin McCombs. Okay, if it's it's Justin McCombs. specifically Justin McCombs, (laughs) you can pick on Justin. Okay, there's a difference between my wife leaning over to me and saying a thing versus drunkenly, loudly making jokes to frustrate strangers around you. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. No, read the room, as Travis McElroy says. There you go. Um, Also, unlike theater, I would say that usually... There are lots, of, so there's lots of people who are like season ticket holders. Mm-hmm. And when you get to the game and you're like four innings in, and there's like seats 20 rows ahead of you that have been open for four innings and you want to move forward, everybody does it. But if you do that and the people show up and they're like, these are my seats, I was late, these are my seats, you have to move. You have to move. There is no like, we should have been here on time, bro. You got to move. You don't own those tickets. Um, you can tip the vendors, which I highly recommend. Like, if you buy a four fifty hot dog and you ask for your change back, it's not really cool. You know what I mean? So you just let them keep the $0.50. Cents. It's not that big. And, like, if they're walking up and down the aisles, they're working really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, so tip those people. Okay. This is a big one, folks. If you're at a game, I'm going to talk to you about a no-hitter and a perfect game. Okay. This is good because I have always wondered about this distinction. Okay, so a no-hitter means that no one has gotten a hit, but you can walk batters and people can get full, can move ahead on errors. So there can still be a score right. on a no-hitter. Correct. On a perfect game, it means that no one has gotten on base and like the ba- the the pitcher is like throwing a perfect game has made no mistakes there's been no errors to advance people so like for example someone could get a hit right and it should be an easy out for the center fielder if the center fielder bobbles an easy out and blows it it counts as an error rather than a hit against the pitcher so the pitcher is still throwing a no hitter mm-hmm. but now they're no longer throwing a perfect game Because somebody got on base. Right. Right? If that's happening, it's incredibly rare and incredibly special. And so if a hush falls over the crowd and people are like, 
he's pitching a perfect game. Don't make a joke about jinxing it. Don't be funny about it. Be very respectful because it's a very big deal for the people sitting around you. Um, I think I think what we've come to, the generality that we would like to impart to our listeners, is that being at a baseball game is mostly about the game, but it's also about the experience that you are having with the people in the stands. Correct. And that's a really singular experience. And so almost like all of these etiquette rules we've gone over is about the shared experience that we're all having, making that uh, a good place for all of us to be at one time. And you don't have to to be a huge diehard fan to enjoy a baseball game. But I do think it's good to remember that there may be those around you who are diehard fans and they are also there. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, you don't want to be having loud cell phone conversations while they're trying to watch the game. You don't want to put an umbrella up in front of their face while they're trying to watch the game. You don't want to have a screaming fight with your significant other while they're trying to watch the game. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, everybody should be having a good time. And it's okay to read a book if you want. Somebody asked a question like, could I come and read a book? Yeah, go for it. Just like don't sit there playing music on your iPhone without headphones on while someone's trying to watch the game. Mm-hmm. You know, just keep other people's experience in mind as well. I would like very much to go and see a vintage baseball game. Can you set that up for I me, Travis like McElroy? I know that there's a group of people that every opening day, they, you know, cosplay as the 1869 Red Stockings and like go and do all that stuff. I would love to see them play sometimes if they do it. If you are interested in going to a ball game by yourself, I highly recommend getting a program or a scorecard and giving yourself the job of keeping track of like errors and runs and hits and strikes, especially if you're, that's how I learned as much about the game as I did is like, I would go with my dad and he would get me like the scorecard stuff. And then I would sit there and like really keep track of how it was going. And it kind of like really forces you to very quickly understand what's going on. And don't be afraid to ask questions. If you're with someone who knows a lot about baseball and you legitimately want to learn, it's completely okay to say like, okay, so what's going on now? And those people love to tell you about it. So if you ever get to go to a baseball game with Justin McCombs, I highly (laughs) recommend it. I want to go to a baseball game with Justin McCombs. I do too. Um, Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you so much for listening. We need to do some thank you notes. Yes, we do. Let's do that. Thank you for listening. Yes. (laughs) Um, Thank you to iTunes. They featured us uh, on the banner, the front page of iTunes podcasts, and we've seen a really great response from it. Um, We made it up to, and when we recorded this, 13th in the top 200 comedy podcasts. That's fantastic. Thank you guys so much. Amazing. Um, if you want to help out and see if we can't get any higher, you can rate and review us on iTunes, and it really helps us out, and it means a lot to us. I'd like to say um, thank you to the Vintage Baseball Association. Their website is a wealth of knowledge, and I really enjoyed looking over it. I want to say thank you to Wikipedia, who taught me about the 1869 (laughs) Red Stockings. Uh, I also want to say thank you to Brent Black, who is not only my co-host on Trends Like These, he also did the intro and outro music for Schmanners, which you can get as a ringtone on iTunes. So if you have an Apple device... Um, like, say, an iPad or an iPhone or the like, you can go onto the iTunes store and buy it as a ringtone. Just search Schmanners and you'll find it. It's really, really great. I highly recommend it. 
Um, you should also go check out all the other amazing Maximum Fun shows. They're really, really good. And I really recommend it. Um, I think <laughs> We love being part of the Maximum Fun Network. Do. Let's see. What do I want to recommend this week? Um, you should check out Can I Pet Your Dog? It's a really... I'm kind of on it. But mostly it's just a really cute show about dogs. And I highly recommend it. Um, I recommend a lot of things, you guys. I love stuff. And I love you. Thank you for listening. Um, uh, join our Facebook group. Follow us on Twitter. Twitter is SchmannersCast. Um, and our Facebook group is growing rapidly. We are almost at a thousand members. You can find at Schmanners the Podcast in the groups tab. And you know, if you like the show, just click retweet on the link that we'll post every time. We'll tweet out a link every time we put up a new episode. Just click retweet. So that's going to do it for us. Join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.